And one person's like, hey, you got a six pack in there? I'm like, you know what's in there. These are real stories that we have all had to do. Go out and get what you want. Let's think about how many dogs are around the regatta. <laughs> well, I'm Alex Del Sordo, and uh, you can see this unless you're listening on the podcast. I have an all-female cast, and uh, I have Olympians, uh, head coaches, uh, monsters in the industry with me, and it's an all-female cast. And uh, today we are talking about a topic that we had discussed in a previous um, coaches yelling episode. And without further ado, we're just going to get right into it. And Listen, we're filming this in the middle of a very hard time in, in the United States right now, in, in really the world. And uh, we had discussed offline if we should do this. And you know what? We should do this. This is diversity in a different form. And I think it's really important for us to have these conversations. So I'm going to start uh, with, I mean, a legend, Mary Whipple, for goodness sakes. Mary, you are, <laughs> if people don't know who you are in the U.S. Right, or in the world rowing, they need to get the heck out of here, okay? I don't know how many Olympic medals you've won. I don't know how many world championships you've won, but you are a beast. Thank you for being on the show today. A four or a five foot three and a half beast? <laughs> I'll take it. Well, I mean, you'll take it. So um, are you excited to be on the show today? Are you looking forward to this? Uh, beyond excited. First, because um, I'm stoked to hear from my friends, teammates, and fellow moms about this topic. And I just think um, I'm stoked to be present in the room, so to speak, and let's, let's do it. I, I, I love it. And uh, you said you're five foot three, is that and right? And a half. And a half, and a half, that's really important. Uh, well, thank you for being here. Uh, next up, Sarah Trowbridge. Now, Sarah, uh, world champion level, Olympic level athlete, um, I, I, a mom as well. You're also a, a, a mother, I believe. Um, I am honored to have you on this show, and I hope you are too. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, it's alarming how close in height I am to Mary, now that you say that. Um, <laughs> I'm only five, seven and a half. But um, no, I'm really excited to be here, and I'm really happy for the conversations this has sparked. Uh, it got me thinking about a lot of things. So thank you. Uh, no, thank you for being here. Um, uh, Megan, geez, Megan, Megan, Megan. Duke University, head coach. Uh, we've, I've known you for several years. You've done a great job uh, down North Carolina. A mom as well. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And I think uh, I echo Trowbridge. Similar in height. So um, maybe <laughs> what sets us all apart is just this idea that we all have something to prove. Um, but very passionate about the subject and very, very excited that, you know, more females can tune in and, and hear from us. I, I, I am excited. You know, we always name these podcasts and it will be women in rowing, it's be moms in rowing. But I love that you're you're all like, you know, short, shorter people. It's, it's hilarious. Uh, next up, Brett. Uh, wow. U.S. rowing. Um, I want to get this right. I think you're the director of athlete identification. Is that is that right? A former uh, collegiate coach and uh, a mom as well. And I don't know how tall you are. I didn't do my research there. Forgive me, uh, but welcome to the show. 
Thank you. Yes, I'm also part of the sub 510 <laughs> club, unless you look at the University of Michigan media guide circa 2005, because I embellished. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with Cook. I think we all have a little bit of a, like a chihuahua kind of mindset. Uh, but yeah, no, ha very happy to be here. It's a topic that I've always been very passionate about. And there, there are a couple things that will really kind of get my goat into debate and what, you know, how do we support women in non-traditional, maybe technically non-traditional uh, job roles, especially with coaching is one of, one of those. So I'm very this, excited. This, to be here. I mean, this is great. So, you know, what I love about this is there's perspectives from all around rowing. You know, we have Olympic level athletes from the coxswain and we also have an athlete. We have head coach of programs. We have someone with U.S. rowing. Uh, you know, th th this is going to be very impactful. So for those of you new with the show, I'm going to ask two questions. And I, actually, all four of you are new to the show. This is really cool. Uh, you have a minute and a half to state your case. If I like what you, what you say, thumbs up. If I don't like, thumbs down. At the end of the first two questions, I'm going to tie up the scores. And the person, the, the person with the least amount of points doesn't move on. Now, in today's episode, Brett, I know you have to leave. So unfortunately, you're like at zero points. I'm sorry. Just zero <laughs> points for you. You don't, you don't, you don't count here. Um, but mm -hmm. if you like or dislike what these ladies have to say, what, what we have to say uh, as an organization, please give us your feedback. We, we want to make this show better. But we also want to empower rowers all over the world. And this episode is going to do it. Now I'm going to start with Mary Whipple. Mary Whipple, you're gonna come online here. You have 90 seconds to ask, answer this question. I'm gonna be very specific. How do we get more women into head coaching positions specifically in our sport? You are on the clock. It starts from the top down. Uh, people hire who they identify with. So look at the broader scope. We're talking D1 collegiate level. And I'm thinking, I'm probably taking everybody's answers. And I was like, dang it. Um, we need more athletic directors who are women. Um, if you look at the percentages, I know that it changes so often, but long story short, we need more women hiring women. Uh, then, <laughs> that's like, you know, case closed. But then there's not that many head coaching positions. You know, like in terms of uh, compared to rowing, compared to other sports, we're so small still on the D1 level, D2, D3. So there's not that many positions available and turnover. Um, people either need to retire or there needs to be more scandal and firing <laughs> and then get the coaching carousel going. So there's a lot of factors in it. Looking at the assistant coaching level, there's so many women at the assistant coaching, coaching level, hmm. but they're just, we're, we're just waiting. There's, it's just a waiting game. It's a waiting game. Man, that's, I, you know, I didn't think that you were going to go that route. I like what you said about starting at the top down. There needs to be more women at the athletic director position to hire women at other positions. Uh, off the clock, six points, Mary. Uh, I mean, you stole the thunder, the first one to answer the question. So six points. Uh, Sarah, you're up. So uh, this is really exciting. Sarah, the same question for you. How do we get more women in head coaching positions in our sport, you are on the clock. Uh, okay, so I tried to think of a little bit less obvious things, and I'm gonna first start with why aren't they applying? So if they're not applying, hmm. um, I'm gonna put a little bit on the administration, which is to not go with Krumer, which is that I heard she likes her life, she lives in a great place, her husband makes bank, she's not gonna wanna move. 
that's been used on me, that's been used on people in this room. Wow. Um, I'm okay. also going to say, don't easily accept why they can't move. Okay. Pay them more. Pay the amount of money and think of out of the side of the box incentives. I'm getting chills, Sarah. Uh, I'm getting chills. Then know the hiring system, right? Important people, influencers in head coaches and administrations get calls and they recommend, right? So as a female trying to get the position, you have to know the system. You have to know who they're going to call. We need to recommend women. We need to actively speaking out about strong women so that people know about them to recommend them. Mm. Um, right now, you know, it is right now, I think, and I don't want to, there's so much to cover. Oh my gosh. But <laughs> right. The biggest potential pay gap is that in married couples, married men make the most money. There's the biggest potential pay gap. Mm. So to get a woman to move her family, I'm not saying that's always the case, but there is the most potential for why a woman wouldn't be able to move her family. Time. Gosh, Sarah, I have to stop you on time. You're going on a roll. I can talk so fast. Oh, we'll talk faster really next time. <laughs> that was perfect. I love that answer. Um, now, now we're bringing up a current head coach, Megan. How do we get more women like you in head positions around the country? You're on the clock. All right, thanks. Well, the previous speakers obviously had some great answers and definitely stole a little of my thunder. But we're in athletics, you gotta recruit, okay? So that is the bread and butter of every single athletic department. Recruit, 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 you know? And I like Mary's answer, but a lot of coaches don't wanna go into administration um, for the very reasons why I got into coaching. So um, we can't assume to be hired by our own gender. Um, so we have to, you know, encourage our administrators if we aren't them ourselves to recruit, um, go after them, think outside the box, call other head coaches, Call their assistant coaches. We all know who's moving and shaking at every level. We know what other assistant coaches are out there doing a really good job. We know the recruits we're losing them to. Those are great candidates for women's head coaches. So if you want to see women women in the business, you got to go find them. Don't wait for them to come to you. I mean, you are eloquent. Wow, 52 seconds. Uh, we're just going to keep moving on. I, that Listen, Megan, you'll learn with this show. You got to win my heart over here, okay? And you did a great job with scoring four points, but we got to move on. So we're going with Brett here. Um, I'm excited for your for your answer. What do we do? Let me reset the clock here. How do we get more women in power positions at, the, at head coaching level? You're on the clock. I think it's twofold, and I think first and foremost, we can't wait for other people to do things. And I think this has already been echoed by you know my counterparts here, and I think that we can't wait for you know the jobs to be open and for people to be open to it and for there to be more female administrators and i think part of not being willing to wait is being willing to look at what are alternative ways to get there mm. and the, the most obvious traditional path that i think we all think of when we first start coaching is going to be an assistant coach for a long time and then you're going to be a head coach and really a lot of the most successful female coaches that i know of didn't go that route necessarily and you have to be able to have there has to be some flexibility there you need help. I'm very lucky that I've had a lot of family support and a lot of help. And when I left collegiate coaching, I didn't really know where that was going to go, but I was offered a position for the summer with coaching the U23 team, which at the time was a really hard decision because it wasn't convenient. How was I going to take a one-year-old on the road with me to go coach somewhere else? And the easy call would be to not do it and just completely leave. But that has led to so many other things. 
And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and like Mary's sister, who we've talked about before, like she went from collegiate coaching to junior coaching so that she could stay involved, involved. And I think we all have to look at things like that. The other thing, and I can't believe no one's mentioned this yet, is athletic departments, you need to rethink your childcare. Most university childcare, you can't get in until like 9 a.m., 8.30 at best. That is not conducive to coaching. And I once had time. Uh, time. Oh, okay. This is nope. We're gonna keep nope. No, we're gonna keep going. We're going question number two right away. Okay. So you're up again. We do round robin now. Okay. So take a breath. Get get ready for this one. So what we're gonna say is you got 90 seconds, and now this really is a good transition. So so here's the second question. If you were in charge, okay, if you were in charge, what are the solutions we see to empowering women at the top? and making this more of an evil playfield. So basically, what are the solutions you would do right now to make this happen? You're on the clock. I'm gonna keep going with what I was saying. We need to rethink children in the workplace in general and what's acceptable and what's not. I once had someone say to me, well, you can't bring your baby to the office. Why the F not? Why Mm -hmm. isn't there a setup here that makes that conducive so I can breastfeed and do my job? Why can't I do both? I mean, that's every, every, I had someone once, I had toddler on the back in the boat yard. They're like, you're not allowed to have them in here. why don't we have childcare at our regattas? I actively tried to make that happen in Sarasota when we had NCAAs there and I was ignored, ignored. No one else does that. Well, why can't we be first? Wow. Wow. Do you, I mean, you got 30, you got 45 seconds. Is there anything oh, else that you would say? I'm shaking because wanna... this is how exciting. <laughs> I, I love the energy and the passion, but you know, <laughs> so if you, if you could change one more thing or if you could assure one thing, what would that be? I think Sarah hit the nail on the head with, with when she was talking about, you know, not making assumptions about people. Cause I've, I've experienced that firsthand that I said, people don't ask me, Oh, I would have asked you, but you know, I knew that you would don't make mm-hmm. assumptions about, about someone. I like that. All right. So we're going to, we're at time. We're going to move on now. Again, this is going back around. Uh, Brett, I love your energy on this. And <laughs> I know that people don't need to see it. They can hear it. So on the podcast, they'll hear it. It's wonderful. Megan, as, as a head coach at Duke, I mean, what are solutions that we can do right now to make significant change? Because, you know, all we do is talk, talk, talk. What are the changes? What do we do right now? You're on the clock. Okay. Well, I would say in my position, I'm really fortunate because I do get to work with um, ADs and administrators all day long. So I do get to be in their ear and help them make these changes. Um, I'm a list kind of girl, so I'm going to go three things. Number one, it goes back to actively recruiting great women to be in the position to have these conversations um, and to break through these barriers. So as you know, that would be something I would do if I was in charge. Number two, we need to normalize the work-life balance. Okay, We can't be having um, or be expected to be answering emails at six o'clock on a Sunday evening. Um, We need to separate time where we are not expected to be working and that we can prioritize family and not have that come off in an athletic department that we do not care extremely a lot about our jobs, okay? Um, and then I think um, the third thing is communication. That's huge. And if we aren't being asked a question, then we need to go in and ask the question ourselves. The question that more administrators and more people in athletics need to be asking young women who are in coaching is what can we do to make you better able to do your job at the level you want to do it at. And if I ever received that question, I would be blown away because it's never asked. It's never asked, what are the simple little things that we can do so that you can stay in this game, so that you can do your best job, so that you can represent our university or our program or whatever it is. Um, I think we need to be asking that question. 
Man. Mm. I love your <laughs> list and I'm writing them down. And so like, I'm, I have to play roles, right? Like I, I have to give thumbs up or down. So I got to score points. I got to write down great points because we use them for later episodes. Yeah, you're on a roll here. Uh, Sarah, we're going to bring you in. Um, if you, and this is so ridiculous, but like if you were in charge, what are the solutions? What are the things that you would do right now to empower women in those positions? You're on the clock. So as we tapped on was the childcare, the non-normal hour childcare. Um, right now, there are, in our sport, you ro often have rosters that are over 50 people. There's only four paid coaches. So if you take time off um, for any kind of family situation or any situation in general, uh, that's a major hit to your workforce and workable hours. Even if you really were confident that leadership wouldn't take a hit of your team because you had an awesome assistant coach, that's actually over 25% of the work wouldn't get done, um, which was a major strain. Uh, you know, I think to it first, like she said, the American um, sense of work-life balance, that's going to be a long change, but that would need to change. Right now, the successful coaches are coaches who are driven who uh, sacrifice quite a bit, and um, it's said of men quite often would rather be coaching than be with their family. I love coaching. I want to be coaching all the time. I'm just going to leave it at that. My job, there should be things in place that help me do that within the boundaries of good work-life balance, right? So what could help me coach more? Mm. Be there. Be there the best way I can be. And if I were in charge, I would be having my childcare set up, my, the, the, what's in place if I do need to take time off um, and a few other policies that could help me be there. Maybe it's my kids at the boathouse with me, like Brett said. Um, and then I also think time. Ah, okay. This, we are going to get, we're going to get really into this in the coaches yelling aspect, but I got to close out. I got to close out second question with Mary Whipple. So Mary, if you're in charge, what are we doing? You're on the clock. If I was in charge specifically for rowing, I would 100% childcare at regattas. Like it is ridiculous. I'm going to echo, but I'm going to echo everybody because it is that important. Um, I was at the last three NCAA championships, a part of the commentary team. And I just remember having so many conversations with men and women coaches saying like, and a lot of people were looking to us, the younger female generation, saying, well, you need to speak up. You need to make this happen. It's like, no, we all need mm -hmm. to speak up, whether you are a man or a female, to make it happen. And specifically, the, the head coaches really need to demand that for their assistant level coaches, whether they are female or men. Um, or male. So I think it's, if, if it's going to be changed, it's not just the moms trying to change it. It's everybody in the room. And then specifically to keep us in the game, we, I mean, it does have to be a cultural shift. Like if you're not in the office, just like what Cook said, it's not like you don't care. You're just efficient and you're messaging and you are delegating. So Having a strong leader, it doesn't mean you have to be there punching in the clock, you know, give the tasks and if the tasks are there, it's going to happen. And I hope this time of COVID, this time of unrest and equality right now that we're having, I hope it changes everyone's lens of get your crap done and that's it. You know, you don't have to be in the room um, just because you have to not seem like you're a slacker. 
time. Oh, man. Okay. And it's family culture. Like, it's bringing your family. It's not like it's rocket science. It's coaching. We're trying to change. Hold on. We're trying to change. Neuter. Neuter. Time up. I can't. I got it. Time up. Be humans. Let us show them how to be good humans and love and care and show them good examples of how you can be a good parent. Um, we are all mothers, but you, it's all fathers too. Like how powerful is that? You know, when like who, who does not love it when a head coach brings their family? Cause we're all curious. We're all curious about, you know, are they softies to their kids? You know, like you always want to see that, uh, that human side of the non-human coach. All right. Time, time. I gave you an extra 30 seconds. You were incredible. I love it. But, I didn't. but we have a commercial break now. So I know that this is just going to get even more hot and heavy in this next round. But unfortunately, we have to say goodbye to Brett right now. So after a word from our sponsors, we're going to get back into the coaches yelling. And we already know who's leaving. That's Brett. More from us in a couple seconds. And we're back. So uh, off the commercial break, uh, Brett was really angry that she had to leave. And, and there's a reason that she had to leave. But I, I, I'm down to the final three. And uh, there is going to be a winner just because the show has to have a winner. But this is discussion part. So now we're going to get into coaches yelling. But now it's going to be really coaches discussion. Um, and if you like or dislike what we have to say, give us your feedback. This is a very important topic that is affecting many people not only in just rowing like we're just talking rowing but this is in every sport and in every business around the world so with the three of you here uh you are all brand new to this right this is a this is your new time at coaches yelling so we're going to get right into this one i'm going to start the clock and we're going to go four or five minutes here um are there specific examples uh that have happened to you in your experiences at regattas uh in work where you felt that imbalance in those issues. Uh, I open up the floor to you all right now. We're on the clock. I mean, I, you know, I've been in a, for, for about 25 years now in boat yards, regattas, championships, tents, uh, enclosures, you name it. Um, and um, I've never seen the injustice that I have as a parent and as a mother that I have in any other arena. I mean, we're back when my kids were little. Um, I mean, I was told several times, point blank, from my colleagues that they weren't allowed to be there. I mean, this was with a one-year-old or a baby in a backpack type situation, that they were um, a, a distraction. And then it was it was interesting because a lot of these coaches also had young children at the same time. And I'm just thinking, well, lucky for you. You know, lucky for you. That my husband also has a full-time job and cannot travel with me to this event. Um, and my childcare is taking a break. And so guess what? I'm putting my mom hat on and walking with my child and in no way is this taking down from any of my responsibilities. Megan, how old are your children for context? Like how, how old are your children? Yeah, they're, they're seven and nine right now. Seven and nine. Um, okay. And so you actually experienced, you were in a position where someone said they're a distraction, they can't be here. Yeah, like that absolutely. has happened to you? 
Absolutely. I mean, there's, you know, we, we work outdoors, you know, we all work outdoors. We're outside long hours um, and there's nothing. Just think about how many dogs are around the regatta <laughs> no. as well. I mean, are they a distraction or I, I what? Say, I mean, come on, children, dogs. Yeah, allergic. So, I, say, I think we need to have what, like dog trainers here at regattas. <laughs> Uh, Sarah, Sarah, um, get, I want a little bit more context to what to what you do on a daily basis, and and like, cause you were training. Now, I, I actually don't know what you're doing in, in today. So, can you give a little bit of context to that? Uh, okay, so I, you mentioned training. So, I was a national team rower. I retired after the 2012 Olympics. I took a job. I had previously coached a little bit in college, Georgetown. Took a job at Yale as an assistant coach then moved down to Princeton, coached national team athletes, not with the camp system, but elite athletes, mm -hmm. and then took a head coach position at the University of San Diego for women's rowing, and then moved back here, um, and my husband took a position at Penn. And so on the surface, oh, I, and I was pregnant. So I raced pregnant at the Crew Classic, wow. and we did that reunion row. Um, so, anyway, so um, I think a lot of people thought it was because I was pregnant or I, prior, or I prioritized my husband getting a job. Um, and it was still family related, but actually that my dad was quite sick or is quite sick. And so you can't pick in coaching where a job is going to open up and when it's going to open up. And sure. so... Um, we made the decision to move now and I figured I'll land on my feet. I will get a job. Like, I feel like there's actually quite a lot of opportunity in coaching for me as a woman or just for me in general. And so I was confident that I would be able to keep coaching in um, as many capacities as much as I'd like to. Uh, so we, wow. we made that move. But you know, I was that person, I think, like, I think I'm the person I had to get past because I had this, mm. my mom was a working mom. Um, and a protester for women's rights. And I thought somehow it was unprofessional though, if I had a family, like I didn't want to play the pregnancy card ever, the female card, the mom card. I went on one of my interviews in a suit, full suit all day. You guys have been on interviews, right? Like from, they pick you up early, you go to the boathouse, you go to everything, every single meeting. I was still breastfeeding. So I did not pump once. I did not mention it. I took one bathroom break. I opened my suit at the end of the day and my whole front was just drenched. Wow. Benched, crusty, down like to my pants, but it was a black suit, so you can tell through the lapel. And I mean, I kind of didn't notice it because I was just so busy and there's so much going on. But I, you know, if I'm on a Skype or if I'm doing something work related, I like have my foot, you can't see, but my foot is closing the door as my three year old is trying to get in because I'm like, this would not be professional. If I seem like I'm just. That's a weird stigma. So, wow. So, Mary, I mean, that's a weird stigma that. I hate that you went through. Mary, do you feel the same way that, that Sarah, or that women in general have to hide some of those things in order to advance their careers? Well, of course. I mean, well, first of all, some of the, I love what Brett said in the previous round is you have to get creative. I mean, I am a rowing coach in a mountain town. I, I don't coach a specific team, but I, it's, it's a hustle. You know, it's like, how can I be a coach without being around uh, the, a body of water where I could maybe create, like I, I pretty much have to create my own team 
to be a coach. Now, do I, can I move? Of course I have to move, but my husband's a ski guide. You know, like there's not that many places where there is water and also, you know, mountains to ski. I mean, there's probably hills to ski, but nothing like he's going to want to like, you know, do a cat ski business. So there's a lot of just juggling that you have to do. And specifically when I was in Sarasota on the commentary team at NCAAs, I was breastfeeding. I kept my, my child at home because luckily my, it was summer, so shoulder season. My husband could watch our mm-hmm. son. But are you ta- Sarasota trying to breastfeed? And I'm asking, oh, it's a new facility. I'm sure they've got a mother's room. I'm sure they have a refrigerator where I can, you know, store some milk for my child. No, <laughs> I had to like scrap. <laughs> asking like where's the ice where can I where can I go pump I'm not gonna pump in like the only bathroom in the tower so I'm like in in the car with air conditioning on and then like and then you have to carry it around and I just remember carrying around a mini cooler and one person's like hey you got a six-pack in there I'm like you don't <laughs> know what's in there so let me let me interrupt so you know one of the things I want to know and, and I think for the audience they need to understand is like what are the solutions so you the three of you have been at all levels of rowing right you've seen it all you've seen the high school novice rowing Olympics all the way up to NCAAs right what are things that we can do for moms, for female athletes to make their experience better or easier? Sarah, what, what do you think? Like, what, are, what is one thing that you can think of from all of your experience that'll make your life easier that will even the playing field? Uh, I think as we started to discuss is um, accessibility to, for me personally, to childcare uh, at odd times or thinking completely outside the box why are practices when they are, right? Why, if, if generally you have a two-parent household and both people are working, then general, there's a good chance your spouse may not be working on the weekend. You could row four times on the weekend, give your student-athletes two days to actually be student-athletes. You could, um, you could just really start to think outside the box about why you do the things you do and when you do them. And if there are really easy solutions that make it easier to be uh, all the roles that we want to be. Well, I, I, so the way, the way I, I consolidate down to childcare, which is perfect, but also flexible accommodating schedules. Cause as parents, I mean, I'm a parent. It's sometimes you can't work at seven o'clock at night. Like people expect to. And I think Megan, you brought that up before. Like, what can you think that would make your life easier? Uh, again, even playing field, right? Like holding each other responsible. I want to end this this episode with solutions. If we don't end with solutions, this was just a waste of time and a great talk. But I want to be able to say, these are the things that three or four powerful women in their positions have said, this is what needs to happen. Megan, what can you think? Anything more? Absolutely. I think, you know, you nailed it. We have to go forward with solutions. And I think the best way to do that is just keep asking the questions. You know, if if you're holding an NCAA regatta, and you know which teams are coming, send an email out to all the female head coaches and the male head coaches. What other things that can we do as a regatta staff to make sure that you can balance the work, your family, and the work that you need to do on site? I mean, we, they certainly asked that question about how many water bottle stations there should be. They ask us how many port johns should be. Uh, you know, they're always asking us the logistical questions to take care of our team. What time should the team meal end? Uh, where, how many vendors can be on site? We are asked all these logistical questions every day. No one has ever asked me, 
hey, is there, uh, would you like to have a quiet space where moms or, or uh, young parents could uh, potentially breastfeed oh. or put their child down for a nap in a cool area? Boom, solution. You know, that's not a hard one, and I guarantee that facility exists. But when you have women pumping in porta johns in the back of buses, not breastfeeding all day, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't want to go down the road of like, you know, the war stories, but they're real. These are real stories that we have all had to do because we don't want to come across that we are inept. We don't want to come across that we are not capable of handling our own shit. And we never yep. wanted to come across that our family is taking first seat or first position ahead of our teams. Um, we chose the job because we're passionate. But they should, though. But they should. They should. Family should be first. It's a great Absolutely. example of student athletes of family first. Absolutely. Team second. Absolutely. But I think Close I think second. what we run into is the me the second that we are proactive about that, we get cast in this light, and I think that that's what feels unfair. So like what Sarah was saying about having to hide what she had to take care of that day. I mean, we all feel that. We feel like we have to have it all organized. I mean, if my team goes to the airport at 6 a.m., I'm up at 3 to get everything organized so that it doesn't yeah. appear to the team in, in any way that I had to do 100 extra things to get to that same airport. Um, so I, all I'm saying is, is we need to normalize families. We need to normalize. And that's what I'll do every day. I'll put my family my husband, my dogs, you name it, in front of my team on a daily basis um, and show my student athletes, my 55 young women, this is normal, this is okay, this is to be celebrated. I'm a strong, great coach and I'm a mom and a strong, great mom. And you know, you can see it first and foremost in front of me um, every single day. So you know, we have how, powerful, how powerful would that be to show everyone that you can a obviously we all multitask like bosses but how powerful is it to you know be nurturing one second flip on that badass switch and say it's time to go afap let's go you know we've got 10 minutes 15 minutes let's get the work done and be champions and mm -hmm. then when you turn on and then you put on your your nurturing hat it's you know i hear you i validate you but this is the level of acceptance of quality we don't go below that so i think there's so much more to to showing your vulnerability because showing vulnerability does not mean you're weak and i think what exactly what cook said normalize everyday life and then maybe we'll get less anxiety um student athletes maybe we'll get a little bit more harder uh resilient athletes um and then when they go off and they end their student athlete career then they know how to accept challenge and adversity within any setting. Sarah, I, I would like you to go ahead and say something. I could see. Well, I was going to say, um, you know, I hadn't thought of it as I was hiding something so much as my alignment of what focus looked like and what professionalism looked like, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that other things, not just kids, but especially kids, could be seen as a distraction, as you actually said, people had said to you. Um, and then I just reached a breaking point where I like, I need to have them around or my husband needs to be around with them and it's a family show. But um, I think what both of you guys are saying is that we're showing that we are professional, that we're getting shit done, that we're fast, that we're great coaches, our kids go fast and we have kids. So therefore, like you can have kids there and have a family and be professional and your athletes learn that. Um, that that's a new definition of what professional is. It's not cutting out everything else. Um, and then, you know, you're talking about more about solutions. If we, you know, I think there's something to be said for the number of kids we have that aren't coached by women 
the majority of their lives. So what they see is like, yeah. wow, that's so different. So if we continue to push for women to be coaching at all levels, you know, and that maybe if we realize like, hey, I might not make the big bucks and it might not really be that cost effective to take this coaching role that doesn't even cover the cost of childcare. But you know what? It's very effective in showing, you know, like having women coaching through all levels. Let me, uh, let me end, let me end this session here with, with two points. And, and this is really cool. Um, moms specifically are badass chicks, man. Like <laughs> moms never want ever to be at the spotlight. It's like they, they do it with being unsung heroes. And, and it, it's, it's in all aspects of life. And you have each have shown that, that you're just, you, you work tirelessly without that, um, without the applause, right? Like you all do that. You all put your, 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 your time in line. And uh, it, it's a really wonderful thing to hear, right? You guys are all, you're powerful individuals. You're powerful humans. That's great. The second thing that I want to close on here is, and I forget who said it. I think it was Megan. You said normalizing family, right? I know from my experience, bringing children to regattas, they sense the environment that if they don't feel welcomed, they're uncomfortable. And I have had people around me say like staring at my children, like, why are they here right now? And it's my profession and they get uncomfortable. And I'm, and I, and I'm like getting emotional because I can, I can actually remember moments when that happened to me and my children felt uncomfortable being in a place that I love more than life itself. Like I love a regatta and rowing more than anything. And the three of you, including Brett, all feel the same way. So a simple solution is getting rid of that stigma. If there are dogs at a regatta, there should be children at a regatta and we should be happy and celebrating that moment. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. So when I get back from a word from our sponsors, we're gonna close out here and the three women here are gonna give a piece of advice for those young coaches that wanna make this a career. More from us here in a couple seconds. Hey everyone, this is Mary at Night Seat. It's a Coxon education program that provides online camps and clinics in addition to our flagship program, Coxon Leadership Camp. All programs gives Coxons the tools that they need to get their teams to the finish line as fast as possible. For more information, find us at ninthseat.com or find us on Instagram at ninthseat. Well, we're back and uh, I have to award a champion. And uh, you know, this is tough. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll just say this. Uh, her husband won the first time out and uh, she won again. Sarah, you are the only household in, in all of rowing that has one coaches yelling. It's a big deal. Congratulations. Uh, it was the story, it was you opening up that won this over to me. The story of you interviewing for that position and like you, that interview, that story you told us really broke down the barriers and we talked more about this. So congratulations, winning coaches yelling. And now you have 30 seconds to give a young athlete, a female athlete or a female who wants to be a coach. What, are the, what, what would you give that young woman? What advice would you give her if she wants to be an Olympian or if she wants to make a rowing a career? You're on the clock. Well, uh, I've always been a big fan of just never take no as an acceptable answer. And think outside the box, 
try different things, you know, don't back away. But I also feel like I've never um, felt that I couldn't do something. So being confident, being authentic in your messaging. I think there's a lot of ideas of how a coach should be. And there's a lot of research that tells that that doesn't work. Um, you should be authentic in how you want to reach athletes. And if your part of your life is your family, um, if part of your life is multi-generational living, if part of your life is another passion, I don't think we should have to hide that in uh, to stay professional and to stay focused. I think those can augment um, and you bring them in. But for the most part, just don't take no, advocate for yourself and go out and get what you want. I love it. Congratulations uh, on winning your first ever coaches yelling. He led off with my husband. I, well, no, I just, he won. Like it was in my head. Like I just, and if you put me on the spot, I'm sorry to put me on the spot. I just, I just remember that he won. I'm sorry. No, that is cool that we are a household and he's been the reason I've been able to do a lot of things. Because you're a team. It's not, it's not that he, he, he did better than you. It's you're a team. You both won. And he did it on the same porch that you're on right now. As long as you know that I could win. <laughs> now, Mary, you did a, a wonderful job today. Uh, it's usually the person that starts the episode. It takes a long time after that around the horn. We don't hear much of the first person. You did a fantastic job. I'm so honored to have you on the show. What advice do you want to give the young woman out there that wants to make this a career or be an Olympic champion? It, it doesn't have to be D, D1 or nothing. Being a D1 coach doesn't mean that you are successful. You can be successful at any level that you find your passion. So for me, of course, I have aspirations of one day actually molding and taking a team from, you know, day one to the championships. But for now, for me, being successful is being an entrepreneur, being a coach of many and seeing if I can just inspire individual athletes to go back to their teams and lift up their teams. So there's so many things that you can hustle and thinking outside of the box. And that's what Brett said too, is just because you're not gonna climb the ranks, you don't have to start as an assistant coach from the high school level and then climb your way up all the way to head coach. You can be passionate, be a coach of whoever you can get your hands on, and don't be afraid to just apply. You don't have to check all 100% boxes of, oh, I'm qualified for every single thing, no. Swing for the fences, apply. And if you um, and if you're your best advocate of yourself and you show your passion and you communicate why you want to be there and why you are going to be a, an amazing coach, um, they're going to see that um, that fire, that passion, that authenticity, and they're going to want you on their team. That is a heck of a piece of advice. I think the most powerful thing you let off with this was you don't need to be D1, like find your success in, an, in another area. I mean, that's coming from an Olympic gold medalist. Like you've reached the pinnacle of our sport and you're telling, you're telling not just women, this is for men too. This, this advice goes to anybody really. It's just, you don't need to be an IRA head coach. You don't need to be a division one head coach. Find your passion, your direction and stick to it. I think that's wonderful. And, uh, and, and cliche as it is, it's, it's about the journey. So, Megan, they call you a cook. <laughs> uh, 
close it out. I mean, you did a great job today. I, I had you in second place. I was battling between you and Sarah for the victory here. Uh, but what is the advice that you give not only your children, but, but the young women out there that want to make this a career or, or future? Absolutely. Well, I hope all women that are, you know, moved by this conversation are the are the clear winners going forward. But hats oh. off to these ladies. They are um, phenomenal and have always been mentors to me. Um, I think my biggest piece of advice um, and uh, advice that I use almost every day with my current student athletes is don't compromise. Um, communicate. Don't oh. compromise at all. You can do it. You can do anything you want, whether you want to be an Olympian, um, a, a stay at home parent you want to coach um, or you want to go into any kind of field in the world, you do not have to compromise the things that are really, really important to you. You just have to find the right mentors and you have to find the right path. Just like a training program, stick to it. You'll get there as long as you keep going at it. Um, and then I would follow it up with just be brave. You might not have a lot of people who have done it before you, but that doesn't mean that you can't be a pioneer and you can't do it. Um, and for, for Sarah, Brett and Mary, um, Good luck to us and let's keep going because I think there are so many great women out there that need us. Um, there, we need more of us out there. So let's, let's multiply our ranks a little bit. Um, but I'm really, really proud of what we have done, the confidence that we have, um, the strength that we have. Gosh, yeah. I, I've done a lot of these episodes, I think 13 or 14. And uh, this, one, this one gave me the chills. This one, this one really hit me hard uh, because I have a six-year-old daughter. And, I want, I, I watch her play basketball. I watch her do these things and she's fearless. And at some point I know that that, that changes and I don't want that to change. And I, I love what each of you said. So for those watching, listening, I hope you learned something here. I hope that you can, you, you, you now have the confidence to find that mentor, right? To be brave, to be successful at any level, uh, be proactive. Be authentic and don't take no for an answer. I love that, Sarah. Just don't, don't take no for an answer. I appreciate that. So if you have feedback, likes, dislikes, agree, disagree, if you, if you want to reach out to any one of these people here on the show, contact us. Let us know. We want to, we want to make this show better. We also want to make growing better. We want to make this world a better place. I hope you've enjoyed another episode of Coaches Yelling. Thanks for watching.